My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Technicians Podcast. podcast uh, like i said my name is zach and i'm your host uh, 2020 has been a very busy year for journalists and staying on top of information about national news stories like the coronavirus pandemic can help give your company a leg up uh, when it comes time to reopen the economy and get everyone back to work uh, but in these strange times that means there's a lot of disinformation posing as journalism uh, it's being distributed freely across the internet and that brings us to uh, today's episode, which is about NewsGuard, an internet browser extension that tells you if what you're reading is accurate or inaccurate. We talked to co-founders and veteran journalists Stephen Brill and Gordon Krovitz about how relying on trusted sources of information is a good business practice. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that the My Tech Decisions podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Subscribe and download to hear weekly interviews with IT pros, cybersecurity experts, managed service providers, AV integrators, and more. Now, here's Steve and Gordon. So, yeah, could you tell us and our listeners, you know, about NewsGuard, um, you know, uh, when, it was, when it was formed, and what exactly you, you guys aim to do? We started the company in 2018. And this is our Gordon Krovitz speaking here. People some practical tools for news literacy. So they'd understand the difference between a generally reliable website and a generally unreliable one, whether they were looking in their Facebook feed or in a Google search result or anywhere on the internet. Uh, we uh, both have journalistic backgrounds. We hired um, journalists trained as analysts who use nine basic criteria of journalistic practice. These are apolitical criteria around credibility and transparency. We use those criteria to give all of the news and information websites that account for 95% of online engagement a score from 0 to 100 and a red or a green icon, depending on how they do, and a nutrition label that explains why they got the rating they got. The key to what we're doing is... And this is Stephen Brill rating the overall reliability of the site. So that if um, the Boston Globe makes a mistake in something today, it's gonna have our green icon on it, even the article that has the mistake. So uh, that kind of, you know, we don't solve all the problems of the world, but what we do, what we are able to do is uh, have ratings and solid nutrition labels, two to 4,000 words each for 95% of all the news and information that's consumed and engaged in online in the US and in the four countries in Europe where we operate. And we are not a fact-checking organization. If you refer to us as a fact-checking organization, I will hire someone from you know, the local Teamsters Union <laughs> to come after you. Yeah. Um, what we do do is we draw on the work of fact-checkers. Uh, we cite it, we credit it always but we always re-report it. 
we always call for comment. And one of the ways we think about ourselves is uh, we are the opposite of an algorithm. An algorithm, um, it doesn't tell you how it's doing what it's doing. It says, you know, uh, you know, we're afraid you would game our system. We want people to game our system. We want them to look at our nine criteria and use that as a checklist. If they did it right, they'd get a higher score. Algorithms don't call people for comment. Uh, reporters do, and, and we do. And algorithms are completely, you know, are completely untransparent. We are completely transparent. Right now, there are four entities out there that rate the overall reliability and credibility of news organizations online. Um, one is Twitter. One is Facebook. The other um, is uh, uh, Google. Google News Operation. And, and then there's us. We're the fourth one. Those three um, are completely untransparent. If, if the editor of your publication wants to know what its reliability, uh, reliability rating is uh, from Facebook or Google um, or Twitter, he, has he or she has no way to find out. Um, and I wouldn't even know whom to call. So the editor of the New York Times has no idea whether it's rated higher or lower than The Economist or The Washington Post. They wouldn't know what to do about it if he knew the rating, and they wouldn't tell him how they got the rating because, again, the algorithm is a black box. Right. With NewsGuard, everybody knows everything. Uh, people can call and complain, and we take their complaints. We listen to them. We post them. Uh, we have a corrections policy of our own where we always candidly uh, will fix and list you know, any corrections we make. And we just think that um, this is one area where human intelligence is far superior to the artificial kind. Right. Um, what is the impetus for this? I think if you've been on Facebook in the last four years, you probably have the answer, but I want to hear it from you guys. Well, we, you know, most Americans get their news now from social media. And the role of news brands has been slowly eviscerated on the digital platforms. It wasn't intentional, mm. but that has been the effect. And so it's been made so easy for someone to create a website like the Denver Guardian that was designed to look like the Denver Post that was set up before the 2016 election in order to run fake scoops like mm -hmm. the Pope had endorsed Donald Trump. And uh, in you know, the pre-digital era, uh, people would get their news and they'd go to a newsstand and they'd say, I'd like the Philadelphia Inquirer, I don't want national. People understood brands. The great thing about the internet is everybody can be a publisher the terrible thing about the internet is anybody can be a publisher, even exactly. if they have right. malicious intent in or publishing disinformation. Uh, the way we look at it is um, right now, you know, if libraries were open, they're not open right now, but if you walked into a library, uh, you'd see books arranged neatly by category. Um, you'd go to the bookshelf, you'd pick up the book, you could read the book jacket, you know who the publisher is, you know something about the author. And best of all, there's a librarian. Mm -hmm. who can tell you, well, if you're doing research on uh, the minimum wage, this magazine has one approach to it, and this magazine has the opposite approach, and you should probably read them both to get a, 
you know, a sense of both sides. Now imagine if you walked into a library and the only thing you saw were three trillion pieces of paper just flying around in the air. And you grab one of them out of the air, you don't know who wrote it, you don't know who's financing it, you don't know what their backgrounds are, you don't know how reliable it is. That's a Facebook feed or um, a Twitter feed or Google search. That's the internet. And what we've done is restore some sense of order to that by giving people what librarians have done, which is the basic information they need to understand uh, their sources. And that's why librarians around the world have embraced NewsGuard and they've downloaded our browser plugin, which is free for libraries. Um, and it's being used on you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, computer devices in over 700 libraries around the world, right. when they're back open, that is. And, and similarly, teachers and schools have been enthusiastic users of NewsGuard. Mm. We announced a relationship this month with Turnitin, the anti-plagiarism tool, under which any school that has an account with Turnitin, which is a large number of them, um, will get free access to NewsGuard as a news literacy tool for their teachers and students. Right. Um, so why is NewsGuard and, and having, uh, you know, verified, trusted sources of news important right now? And I mean, we, we know the answer, but and, and why these expanded uh, free services and, you know, this partnership with Microsoft? So, you know, the, the head of the WHO said that we are living in an infodemic. Mm. And the head of emergency services, the WHO, said that we need a, a vaccine against misinformation. Yeah. So COVID-19 makes everything that we've done that much more urgent. Even before COVID-19, the most surprising thing that Steve and I learned looking at the data that we had created. So we were most surprised to learn that more than one in 10 of all the websites that Americans access every month had published healthcare hoaxes. This is even before COVID-19. Right. Those hoaxes included that 5G causes cancer, for example. Oh, yeah. yep. The new hoax is 5G causes COVID-19. Yeah. Um, the, we have a tracker that we update every day that's now 203 websites that we have found to have published hoaxes related to COVID-19. Those could be, if you take bleach, you won't get it, or false accounts of the uh, provenance of uh, the virus. It's a re it is a real infodemic. And if people are armed with reliable information, it'll make it that much harder for new hoaxes right. to spread or for old hoaxes, such as um, unverified dangers of vaccines, mm. to be as popular as they unfortunately are. Right. So, so we're a B2B publication. Um, what, so what is the business business application of a NewsGuard and how can this help X company organization make, you know, informed decisions? Great. So um, one of the uh, use cases for NewsGuard is for enterprises to make sure that their own staffs are relying on reliable information and not mm. unreliable information. It often happens, especially at a bigger enterprise, people will see a news story about the company and we'll wonder, my gosh, how did this happen? This is terrible. Are we really, res really responsible for this? Often turns out that it's from one of our red-rated sites that's made something up or has misinterpreted something, has falsely 
made claims. Right. Um, it's, it's very useful for companies for people to know as soon as they see a news item, is it coming from a reliable source or is it coming from one that we've pre-bunked? So we pre-bunk websites in the sense that any news story from an unreliable site is going to come with a red warning and a warning to proceed with caution. So one use case is for companies to license NewsGuard, make it available to their own employees. There are other uh, B2B use cases as well. There are companies that want to know, is this information about a competitor or a supplier or a customer? Some information might move markets. Is that from a reliable source? In which case we should pay attention to it. Or is it from an unreliable source who might be trying to uh, fraudulently move markets or make fraudulent claims about a product or something along those lines? The other piece is advertising. Mm. Um, the the other product we have uh, called BrainGuard um, is basically the result of all the data we've collected. And what what it's used for is if a brand or or an ad, or an ad agency is engaged in programmatic advertising. Um, as you know, programmatic advertising doesn't really care what the website is; it just cares about the demographic of the person who happens to be looking at the website. So, for example, you can see ads right now uh, on websites saying that that 5G causes the coronavirus that are uh, that have been paid for and are advertising the 5G services of some of the major 5G providers. You can mm-hmm. see, you know, the Mount Sinai hospital system on, uh, you know, phony healthcare sites that say that fruit pits will cure cancer. Um, by the same token, most of these brands, now they don't wake up in the morning and say, gee, let's support these hoax sites, but the nature of programmatic advertising and the fact that the so-called brand safety companies have no way of dealing with this. They can deal with hate speech, they can deal with pornography, but you can't use artificial intelligence for this kind of misinformation. So we've now started to license our brand guard product to some individual brands and to some ad agencies, in some cases because the brands want to support uh, legitimate journalism. What we've seen in the last couple of months is uh, the brand safety companies, their only way out of this is to have blacklisted a bunch of words in the theory that the advertiser you know, doesn't want their ad to appear in articles that have certain words. Well, one of those words is COVID-19. Mm. So you've started to see ads blocked on the homepage of the New York Times because mm. by definition, the New York Times is going to have the word COVID-19 on right. its homepage for sure. Right, right. So by buying in effect or by licensing our whitelist, which are all our green rated sites, even some very small ones, let alone the New York Times, they can, uh, you know, they can support legitimate journalism, but know that their ad isn't going to appear on a COVID-19 hoax site. Mm. There's still a certain population of this country and probably the world that um, just doesn't trust Journalists, unfortunately, but that's that's the truth. Um, so, have you guys run into any any pushback when they ask, you know, who's backing NewsGuard, and then you say, "Oh, two lifelong journalists." 
Yeah, now, what's, so interesting, what's interesting More is, than two lifelong journalists, we, if you go to our website, you can see the backgrounds of every single person that works there. Mm. Um, you can see a list of all our investors. Um, you can see any complaints that anyone's had about any of the specific ratings and labels. But, you know, ultimately the answer to your question um, is this, which is in uh, the last book I wrote, I noted that um, the 10% of America or, or 13%, um, this was a year and a half or two years ago, the 13% of America still thinks that 9-11 was an inside job by the Bush administration. Oh, God. And another 13% still thinks that Barack Obama was not born in the United States. Right. So the people on those ends of the spectrum, uh, you know, you're never going to get everybody to trust you. The key yeah. is everybody else in the middle, and that's a big middle. Mm. And interestingly, when, when Gallup has done research on NewsGuard users, what they found was that people are willing to trust what's described as a set of experienced journalists with diverse backgrounds to do the very precise thing that we do, which is we look at the journalistic practices of websites. We use nine basic criteria of journalistic practice. And we do it apolitically. So you could be a right-wing side or a left-wing side or whatever. It's the same criteria applied just the same way. Mm. People say they are happy to understand more about the journalistic practices of websites. They still want to make up their own mind. People may still want to look at news from red-rated sources. But the data all indicate that they're much less likely to share it or to believe it. Right. And people don't like sharing information that turns out to be untrue. It embarrasses them with their relatives and their friends. But again, that, that's a generalization that probably applies to 80% of, of the country, maybe 75%, which is a pretty broad generalization. But the fact remains that you know, there, there are probably a dozen popular websites in the United States that say um, that 9-11 was an inside job. Right. And those people, whoever believes that, are probably fairly unlikely to believe us when we say that the website that is, uh, that is publishing that is a phony website. Mm. Zach, when it comes to COVID-19 topics, what we've found is we've spent a lot of our repertorial resources trying to track down the original claim. So, for example, we've discovered that the original claim that 5 Jesus COVID-19 was in a very small French language website published in France, hmm. Mouton Enragé. Um, and it was over time picked up on social media and then by a couple of much larger websites, simply sourcing it to that particular website. And when we explain the debunking of websites that published that hoax, since we can go back to the original story that had no sourcing, explain the nature of that website, describe other hoaxes that that website had reported or perhaps had made up, that I think really helps consumers understand that, you know, uh, that these things are not true. And we've had conspiracies and conspiracy-minded people forever. I think what the internet has done is to make it uh, easier to find like-minded conspiratorialists and also to find many new conspiracies and to spread them much more quickly. So the opportunity is to cut these off at the beginning 
by being able to explain to people, here's the first reporting of this hoax. There was no sourcing. And here's why you should, you know, read anything from this source of news with a grain of salt. Right. And by the way, to come back to the point about pre-bunking, um, we have found something close to 90% of the COVID-19 healthcare hoax sites were publishing healthcare hoaxes before COVID-19. Mm. They had our red ratings. So the site that started the whole, you know, 5G causes COVID-19, they had a red rating from us before they published their first COVID-19 story. Right. So people you know, would have been warned if they had the advantage of our rating in front of them not to spread that. Mm. And, and that's why our model, Zach, is, as you were saying earlier, the, what Microsoft has done with its mobile edge browser is exactly what we would hope that other platforms also would do, which is to integrate our ratings and nutrition labels within their products so that whether people are looking at a feed or a search result or however they're getting their news, um, they'll be able to see right away, is this a generally reliable source or not? All right. Um, have you guys um, had your hands full with the pandemic video? <laughs> we rated the website carrying the video in a matter of a few hours. Yeah. And uh, we've been updating it, but um, we got it pretty quickly. We have a, we have a SWAT team that, um, that, you know, is constantly looking for sites that are, that are about to trend. We use artificial intelligence for that. Um, and if we haven't rated them, it's usually because of something like the pandemic thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a new so, so back to the, the B2B perspective, um, you know, why is this important for the enterprise to consider right now? You know, as I think pretty much every state is in some phase of uh, reopening. I, I think um, for any kind of uh, B2B enterprise, this is a time to keep uh, employees relying on reliable information and not being distracted or confused by false claims of which there are many mm. as companies uh, uh, reopen there are of course every state has got its own rules as to how to do that and every state has got its own hoax sites trying to confuse people about what the dangers are what the rules might be or what the dangers might be so this is a critical time, I think, for uh, all of us to have access to reliable information and right. not to be swamped by the infodemic. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the idea that businesses are reopening, even assuming they reopen in, you know, in full and everybody's back in their office, which I don't think anybody thinks is going to happen uh, in most places that soon. But let's assume they were, you know, they're still online. Whether they're online from their office or online at home, they're online. And especially in uh, the political season coming up, where we've identified a whole new category of, of misinformation and disinformation sites, which are sites posing as local news organizations, which are trying to fill the news desert created by the you know, decline of so many local newspapers. Mm -hmm. And they're actually funded by PACs. So... They feel like, you know, you know, wonderful American is apple pie local news sites, but they're always pushing one side of a story at the expense of the other side. Right. 
Um, have you guys run into any freedom of speech claims or, or issues? We view ourselves as kind of a solution that, infor- that, it, that protects freedom of speech. Right. There are a lot of calls to censor certain news outlets or accounts. Um, we're journalists. We don't believe in censorship. Yeah. We believe in using good information to drive out bad information. And we think that people should have access to re- reliable information, including about the sources that they're relying on. Mm-hmm. We think that it probably contributes to conspiracy theories to have digital platforms you know, take down accounts or take down stories without any explanation arbitrarily. We think a much better approach, one that would reduce conspiracies is simply giving people more information about the sources and letting them make up their own mind. Right. Great. Um, I think that really answers all the questions I had. All right. Well, guys, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Um, all right. Let you know. us know. Uh, you know where to find us if you need anything else. Yep. Yeah. We'll do. Great. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you'd like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWcomo. Until next time.